0: hello and welcome to the fuel hotel marketing podcast i am your host stuart butler and i am joined today with the three pete it is a three pete not a repeat or a two pete it's a three pete not pete phil friska hey everybody and melissa Cavanaugh. howdy and Misha Bo Kiki-o. Hello! That's my line.
1: Stole it. <laughs> think you, I did it better.
0: You always look at me like in a surprised look when I say it at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. You should, it's like 60, what, 8 episodes Ooh, in there? Ooh,
1: next one's going to be a good one. Mm, <laughs> PG
0: show, PG. <laughs> so anyway, we are in episode 68 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. And today, children, we are going to be talking about the 8 predictions for 2018. Is that what it is? Okay, why'd you look like that?
1: I just didn't even realize it was 68. We got the eight predictions for 2018. All the eights. All the eights. Eight's my number, by the way.
0: That's oh, my lucky number also. Oh, it's
1: going to be a good show.
0: How about that? So we uh, Booking.com put out this eight predictions for 2018, and we're going to be running through them. Any comments before we jump into the news part about the eight predictions? Anything we noticed about the page? perhaps yeah the eight it was not numbered
2: properly each prediction is number one this number one that number one
0: so the number four was actually number one and the number seven was actually number one they were all number one yeah so booking.com clearly listened to our podcast they probably need to go fix that but maybe they couldn't determine which one
3: was most important so they're just all number one they didn't want to favor one
0: that's right they don't Mm. want to have favorites nor do we so we're going to go through the eight and we're going to call them all number one also or are we gonna actually call them number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight? I don't know. Who knows? Stay tuned. We'll find out. But before that, let's see what's going on in the news. Who's got something? Philip. I do. Um, so here's a
2: fun one. AdWords can now spend double your daily budget that you've set.
1: That sounds not nearly as fun as the daily double on Jeopardy. <laughs> no,
2: it's not. Um, yeah, people were pretty outraged over this, thinking Google was going to spend double their money. And then once they read past the initial tweet, they realized that they're not going to be overcharged for anything more than what they would have spent based on their normal daily budget. Um, but it doesn't really seem so bad. The way I'm looking at it is there are lulls and spikes in your traffic. Um, it, it, it's going to be better for when you have a spike and your daily budget couldn't meet it. But what I'm kind of concerned with is, why don't you just give me a monthly budget I can set a whatever I want to spend in the month, and then if I have, you know, I could spend quadruple what my daily would have been and got a bunch more bookings, it would make a whole ton more sense. But for right now, it's just double what you've spent or double what you set as your daily budget. All right, so mm. explain that, right? Because not a lot of people read the article. So what's the actual okay. change that they're making? So say I set my brand campaign at $30 a day. Google will now allow up to $60 be spent on that. But... When it comes down to the end of the month, whatever, you know, the 30 times 31 or 30 would have been, it's not going to charge me. I'm not going to be billed for more than what I've
0: originally set it as. So if, if,
3: so, Google's giving us free money? Uh, I, th- I think
0: they're normalizing it yeah, out, right? Gonna, so the next day you might not pay as much, Oh, uh, okay. right? Or you might not get as much exposure. So it's, it's basically a way for them to handle the fluctuations in demand over a longer period of time. So, yeah,
2: yeah. It shouldn't really, it shouldn't really uh, change too much. But if you see that in a
0: particular day you spent a ton of money, that's the reason why. Yeah, hmm. just don't freak out about it. Look at it over over time. Which, you know, it, it's it's tough when you're budgeting pay per click in general because you do have to look at the budget. You should be looking at the budget frequently, multiple times a week, to make sure there's nothing wampum wampus. But what what was interesting about this is people freaked out like you said when they oh, yeah. read headlines right we're getting into this world of most people see a headline and you know, they'll click on it probably don't even read the article rabble, and then rabble, share rabble. it right and then like people get all out of whack and it the it was very misleading as a title it sure was and know? even their even Google's tweet about
2: it was very misleading they basically said the same thing you had to read in further to the article to
0: realize you weren't going to be overcharged yeah so, I mean, I, I think it's something to pay attention to. I don't think it's anything to get, you know, concerned about, like you said. But yeah, it's just basically just
2: wanted to point it out where if you spent double your daily budget in a day, just don't freak out. Look at it over
0: time. Yes. And, which you should be, right? Most people, most of our clients are budgeting either monthly or quarterly anyway. So in and, and knowing that your PPC budget should always be fluid, it should always be based on performance and, you know, always looking at what your return is in trying to invest You should always be trying to invest as much of your money in what works as possible and decrease the stuff that's not working, increase the stuff that is working. So I think this is an opportunity to actually not miss out because in the past, when it's capped at your daily budget, if there is a surge in demand for that day and you didn't adjust your budget, you're missing out. You're not going to be, you're going to lose impression share and that's money left on the table. So this is actually, in my opinion, it's a good thing for, for us as advertisers. Agreed. All right, what's next?
1: Well, I have an article from Skift.com, and like many of their articles, the title kind of gives away the entire article, so I won't spend too much time discussing it, but the article is called Hotel Direct Booking Pushes Really Worked and Owners Were the Big Winners. So this article dives into um, a lot of data that they had pulled from the hotel groups that are doing direct booking campaigns, so primarily Marriott with their It Pays to Book Direct campaign and the Hilton Stop Clicking Around campaign. And what they found was not only did these campaigns actually get more people to book directly with the hotels, but what I thought was more interesting was that it encouraged more travel overall. So it dives into a little bit of why they feel that the owners of these hotels were actually winning big with this, because not only are they reducing the reliance on OTAs and educating consumers, but it really did just encourage more travel overall. And that's not exactly surprising. I feel like these campaigns, compared to other ones they've done in the past, which, by the way, I can't name any, these are really well-known. They were very blanketed across print, across digital. So they were very present. So this wasn't at all surprising. And the article goes into some other interesting things about loyalty and how they've really had success with you know tying this to their loyalty programs and how loyalty is evolving and then also kind of discusses you know what's next you know how this needs to evolve so i thought it was a good read curious to hear what you guys think
2: i think it's just a good thing to you know for almost any hotelier the big guys are pushing this book direct and that knowledge for the consumer is getting passed down to the smaller independent hotels
1: Yeah, I still think that from a messaging perspective, you know, I think they're educating people on that, but I don't know if the average person knows what Book Direct means. So I feel like the the communication part of the messaging can be a little bit confusing. But, you know, takeaways from this, you know, something that we've seen success, um, just little things like in your pay per click ads using, you know, official hotel website or best rate guarantee just in your messaging, you know, that works as silly as it sounds. Our most popular ads are often the ones that have official hotel website in the copy.
2: Yeah, that works really well. And now I'm I'm curious to see if more people start to understand what book direct means, mm-hmm. and if I can use that in my ad copy, how's that going to affect my click through rate? I'm I'm curious. I'd I'd love to see that happen. Yeah,
1: and the the article dives into a little bit too. You know how the OTAs a lot of time it's just a pricing play, right? Like people don't a lot of times don't care where they book. If they're getting the best rate possible. So that's a big component of this for sure. But it also talks about how, you know, you really own the guest in the entire travel experience. And, you know, I'm sure it's different leisure travel, business travel. But at the end of the day, you want to have a great experience. And, you know, a lot of OTAs just don't really sell that part of the travel yet. And hotels have a huge opportunity here to take that experience and really own it.
0: Yeah, I, I like this article. I think it's encouraging to see. And, and, you know, the campaigns themselves, whether they were the cause or whether it was the media exposure of the campaigns that was the cause, I don't know. And and I agree with you that book direct doesn't necessarily, it's jargon, doesn't necessarily mean something to the average consumer. But I, I think what I take from this is, it's common sense, but we we can all learn that it's possible to influence the consumer. It's possible to provide information to them that makes them make a decision that's favorable to you as a property right so regardless of how big or small you are whether you're a flag or not you should be doing everything you can to encourage people to book direct right by showing them not just that the cost is the same or better but that you offer value that there's something that they get by booking with you that they don't get from booking with Expedia in that the experience overall is going to be better if they do that, right? So you can lead people, you can persuade people to book direct through messaging on your website, telling them why, telling them what is the benefit. So I I think more and more hotels are beginning to do that, which is great. But knowing that you're never going to persuade everyone to book direct, there's a subset of people that are are going to be loyal to the Expedia's of the world or the Booking.com's of the world and that's okay but let's try to make that new business, let's try to focus on those guys being the folks that I probably wasn't going to get through my website but then let's align my operations and the experience and the communication once they are a guest to try to convince them that next time they book that they should book direct. So you're still again trying to persuade them, trying to give them information and messaging that convinces them at some point down the road that booking direct is the better option for them.
3: And I've been screenshotting some cool pop-ups for lack of a better word. Maybe they're not actually pop-ups, but, overlays on websites that are encouraging people to either book direct or log in directly to the website to get that information and I'm looking at right now a Hampton Inn one that says start getting more and it's free wi-fi and digital check-in and points towards free nights and well there's a pretty good incentive for me to go
1: log in and
3: get my information and book directly through Hampton versus something else.
1: Yeah I stayed um, I was at a conference last week and I stayed at Marriott and they had the messaging on their website, you know, book direct with us. Here's what you get. I actually did book on their website. I used their app. I mean, the whole experience was great. I took advantage of the free Wi-Fi. I made some requests for some extra towels. Like, the whole thing was great.
2: So free free Wi-Fi is an incentive for booking direct?
1: Yes, or for using the app. One or the two, okay. I can't remember.
0: Cool. Yeah, and... at. I- it, if you look at Booking.com, they're showing things like that already. Booking.com is trying to convince people that they book through them. You're getting free Wi-Fi or free breakfast. What they don't realize, the consumer is, a lot of times the hotels offer that same amenity, they're just not telling you about it during the booking process as well as Booking.com is. So a lot of times the OTA is doing a better job of selling your product than you are yourself. So you, you've got to make sure you put your best foot forward on your own website because we know that consumers are looking at the website and comparing you to the OTAs. We know that's a behavior that's happening. People are looking at multiple sites for the same property. They're trying to make sure they're making a good decision with that property, but also that the where they're booking is the right decision. So you've just got to outgame the OTAs and make sure there's no choice, you know? It, there's no difference in rate. And they get more stuff if they book with you directly.
1: Like if an OTA site is selling your property better than your property is selling your property, you got a problem.
0: Agreed. Property.
1: <laughs> Say property one more time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But hey, we should all encourage people to book direct.
1: I feel bad if I ever go to an OTA site, like in general. But if mm-hmm. I'm like price shopping, even if the price is lower on the OTA site, I'm like, mm, I still feel like I can't. It feels dirty. I can't do it, guys. Yeah, I'm very uh, biased in my job. Yeah, I
0: feel bad. I mean, not bad enough to not book if it's cheaper on the OTA, but yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah, you just told that story. Was it last week? About yeah, I had to do hotels tonight because they wouldn't match the match rate. The rate. Yeah. Just match
1: the rates. Yeah, you.
0: yeah. I mean, we we had a situation this week with a client that, that's been struggling. Their online conversion rate was was down on their website and so we've been digging into the analytics trying to fit and they'd gone through a website redesign they'd, they'd gone to a new booking engine with a, another third party vendor and we we're trying to figure out what one of these things the catalyst for the downturn And you know after doing a lot of analysis on the google analytics side of things it, it turned out it was a rate parity issue you know we, we started looking at what they were booking you know what through third parties what the adr was through third parties and then we started spot checking what their Rates were, and they had been looking. Their rate managers have been spot checking, but they'd only been spot checking against Booking.com to see if they had rate parity. Well, it turns out, like every Expedia product out there had a between $2 and $8 a night lower rate and had done for some time. Oh, yeah. and it, it's a it, big difference. It had Huge. an immediate impact on their conversion around their hotel. So you, you have to, there's no question in today's day and age with the technology that's out there, there's no excuse for not having rate parity. And I'm not ever saying that you need to offer lower rates on your website. That's just one component. But it should never be higher on your website than it is on a third party. Ever, ever, ever. All right. Yeah. So. That's the news. That is. So let's jump into number one of number one, 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 and one of our topic from Booking.com. We're going to have the link to the original article on the show notes. And we're going to kind of have some cliff notes to it as well. Uh, you can get the show notes at fueltravel. dot com slash podcast and click on episode sixty eight if you want to follow along at home. So, do you want to set the scene? It was a dark and stormy night.
1: Picture it, Sicily, nineteen twenty five.
0: Does that call out to all the Golden Girls fans? Yes, it is. That's nice. Oh yeah. Did you know there's a Golden Girls Monopoly set?
1: I know what's on my Christmas list now. Yeah. Thank how how you cool for is that. that? Yeah, I follow this one fan page, and they always have really funny, like, tacky sweatshirts, and I really want one.
0: Wasn't there, like, a podcast that where they sat and watched yes. every single. Yes, it episode? was called
1: Thank You for Being a Friend. And they went oh, that's it. such a good name. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's such a good idea. Yeah. Well, now I know it. I'm getting me. Yeah. She's a Secret <laughs> Santa. We just lost all our <laughs> <laughs> listeners. Everyone just went and subscribed to the.
1: <laughs> all Thank right, you I'll a send out, like, low key send out the link to our, our group just in case we, uh, yeah. Secret Santa. Okay, so getting back on track. For the booking.com article, we're going to kind of just briefly run through the trends that they found that were related to either new groups of travelers or just kind of travel trends in general. I thought some of these were pretty interesting, so we can throw them out to you guys as well and see if you have any thoughts. The first one, one number one, was called New Tech Frontiers.
0: (laughs) The first one, one, number one, one.
1: (laughs) Yes, the first number one, (laughs) one. (laughs) New tech frontiers. So this basically discussed how travelers are really looking for an immersive experience and not just within their actual travel, but also before they travel. So this segment really speaks to artificial intelligence and how hotels can use things like virtual reality or AI to help sell their destination and their hotel, which I think we've talked about before that there really is a ton of room for growth as VR becomes not only easier to develop and work with, but also more affordable to integrate into your website or wh- whatever it might be. So this was definitely, I think, a relevant, um, one of the more relevant ones that they came up with. Yeah, and I,
0: I think there's a lot of acronyms thrown around, AR, VR, AI, all this I think really, you know, it's hard to really get our heads around how artificial intelligence is going to play in because it's going to be baked into everything we're doing, right? It's just a smarter way for us to crunch data and provide a better experience. But for me, augmented reality is 100% where the biggest investment is going to head. I think virtual reality has a limited shelf life because you've got to have specific apparatus. You, You know, you've got to have some kind of device or you've got to get the Google Cardboard for your phone. And it, it's somewhat clunky. It's not a frictionless experience, right? For for virtual reality. For You've now. Got it. For now. Yeah. Maybe you're going to get retinal implants at some point to make it better. But augmented <laughs> reality, augmented reality where it takes data layers and lays it over what I'm seeing around me to help me navigate a destination, a property, get find the room, whatever it is, find a restaurant. That kind of stuff being able to make my living environment um, intelligent around me that to me, it is really, really, really exciting, and I think it's really going to d- help people that travel, especially to new destinations. You look at stuff that's coming out right now where you've got real-time translation, right? So you can hold your phone over a menu in a foreign language, and it tells you in English.
2: Yeah, Google Translate.
0: Right, but that—that's the kind of augmented reality that I think really, really helps. You can do it with signage, you know, if you're at a street stuff like that, that's the kind of augmented reality that I really think is going to really disrupt the travel industry in the next, disrupt's probably not the right word, it's really going to impact the the industry in the next 12 months.
2: I'll tell you what, if, that, if a hotel made that available to me and it was a place I've never stayed before, I'd absolutely be using it. Just look through my phone, okay, here's where... You know, the restaurant is, here's where the bar is, you know, here's where, if, if you wanted to walk to this restaurant, this restaurant, mm-hmm. this restaurant, they're that far
0: away. Yeah, I, I would I points in a direction yeah. and tells me how many, how many minutes it's going to take me to walk that way. That's so handy. There was an app that did that like five years ago and I had it and it, I can't find it anymore. It was on one of my older phones and I don't remember what it was called, but it was, it, it didn't work perfectly. But I'm waiting for the next generation of that. And if you look at the phone manufacturers, if you look at the latest iOS um, 11, you look at the latest version of um, Android, they've baked a lot of developer toolkit add-ons in there that help developers build augmented reality environments. So it's, it's gonna be big in this next 12
1: months. Well, in case there was any doubt that this is a thing, The article itself has a lot of data in it to support, which I think is great. So I've taken out just a few of the top level ones that I thought were most important. So for this particular one, 29% of people are actually comfortable letting a computer plan their trip based on previous travel history, which I thought was pretty big. And then 64% of travelers say they would like to try it before they buy it with virtual reality, assuming it was offered. So I definitely think that, you know, you're right, Stuart, in that you know augmented reality is probably the the first iteration of this we're going to see and that, you know, this data clearly proves that this is something that people want.
2: And as virtual reality becomes more popular, I mean, 64% of people are already saying they would try it. Now, if I imagine could that they figure out how to. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if everybody <laughs> had a VR system, that number yeah. would be much higher.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's cool. It's it's very valuable, and, and, and there's a novelty to it. I just don't think it's as practical, right? No, not, not right now. And there's a lot more practicality to to augmented reality. Now, when we're talking about artificial intelligence, there's been a lot of buzz recently uh, about things like price predictors and and so we talked about it last week on the show, right. right? Where there's there's sites out there that help you make a better decision. People want to shop around in making that process easier, knowing when to buy, knowing where to buy. Machine learning, artificial intelligence can come in to really help solidify how we do that and make it simpler, more frictionless. So, I think AI certainly is going to be a big part in the booking process over the next 12 months as well. I'm agreeing with number one of one, one. Are one. we
1: ready for number one of two, two of one? Is it, is it the second it's, I think number it's one? Two one, of one. one, one B? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, one question mark is. One, 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 one. From dream to reality. So, this trend that they found spoke more to the fact that a lot more people actually have a desire to travel. And again, I don't think this is anything that's new, but more people, particularly millennials tossed around a buzzword, really value experiences over material things. So the demand for travel is increasing and, you know, not only are more people Do they have travel bucket lists. So this said that 45% of travelers have an actual travel bucket list or a destination in mind, but 82% of those have plans to travel in 2018, which is a really high number. That is a very high number coming from somebody
3: who's not a millennial I can attest to my travel bucket list and I do think that experiences trump material things you can there's only so many things you can buy to fill up your house but actually going somewhere and experiencing something new and sharing that with somebody you your kids your spouse your friends your whatever that's something money I mean well money has to buy it but you know what I'm going after that's something that you can't replicate with something in your house
1: I'm totally on board with this I mean I feel like I'm at the point where I'm like I have like a very small disposable income that I could put towards travel so I'm to the point where I'm like well before I have the kids and family which will be a different travel experience for sure like I just want to get up and go and do and see things probably probably perhaps outside of my means, but I'm just going to do it anyway because I can.
2: I totally fit into this bucket and one that we're going to talk about in a little bit as well. Um, I've never been to Vegas. I really want to go to Vegas. So my wife and I are going to go to go see a Penguins game next year. That's going to be awesome. They just got the NHL.
0: They've made Penguins play games now? (laughs) Is it like the Penguin Olympics? (laughs) No,
2: Vegas just got an NHL team and we're really excited to go and make that our first Vegas experience going to see an NHL game there so i kind of fit into this block and i'm i'm pumped about it
1: That's awesome
0: Yeah that is really cool and you know i think social media has changed why why experiences are better right because we're collecting badges in a way and we've got it, we've got it documented not just for ourselves for nostalgia but it's also kind of a badge of honor for everyone that follows us on social media and it's kind of you know although it's not stuff it's still part of our status Fake so, uh, internet points. I, for like, sure. If you
1: didn't Instagram your trip, did you even go? I mean... <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I mean... It you know, didn't happen. I, I think the motivation for stuff and experiences is still very similar, similar really. Especially you Americans. You're all about keeping up with the Joneses. But you know the fact is people are travelling more and that's a great thing for this industry and even though skift says it's because of hilton and marriott's mm-hmm. campaigns is why people are travelling more it's really not it's just a shift in in expectations and the more the media talks about this the more that people have conversations about the fact they're travelling more it just it it's like a flywheel effect right it continues to compound on itself so i don't see a downturn in this in the next several years which is great, but you, you have an opportunity, especially if you're a unique property to capitalize on this, you know, if you have, and we talked last week about on, on the show about Shawnee in who sent us some beer, right? Which was great. But the fact that they have a brewery on property, there's very few properties that do that. So leveraging that to add to people's bucket list, you know, when, when I was uh, staying recently in Charleston, the, the, it was a Marriott, but they offered a special rate if you wanted to have free local craft beers, or well, it wasn't free, but it was part of the package. You got like four free local craft beers as part of your package for a discounted rate in 10% off the bar. It was like a different rate code than the bar rate, right? And it was only $10 a night more. And I'm like, wait, I get four beers in 10% off of the bar for only $10 a night more, that's a better experience for me. So I think there's ways to merchandise, there's ways to package, there's ways to appeal to the bucket list that you're talking about by just being a little unique and putting your best foot forward and saying, hey, we do things differently and you should come experience this. And then when people do come experience it, try to leverage that to get more exposure. Try to encourage them to share on social media. Try to use either their social tools that they already have in, in their audiences or you know, use a third-party tool like flip Dude that does it for you you know so that that's it's it's all you got to be smart about it you got to leverage it as well by by making sure you're taking advantage of the fact that people are coming for an experience
1: i totally should have expensed the uh, beer package <laughs> when i was there
0: well yeah you see that's what you uh, just you kind of crop out the fact of the rate code that you booked. Yeah. So it doesn't say beer in I it. I
1: manipulate my receipts.
0: <laughs> then the rate the rate that you show me in your expense report is just, hey, it was a room at yeah. Hey, this pro hotel. tip
1: for hotels. Don't um, include the, the word alcohol in your discounts and people will book it at work. Hey. <laughs> all right. So moving on to... Wait, but can I go back to number
3: one of one of all the ones? Wait, one of
0: one or two of one? One of one of one. one okay. One,
3: one of one. one. Going New tech back friendlies. to the artificial intelligence because as we're sitting here recording this podcast, I just got an alert on my watch, not on my phone, on my watch from Hopper. Telling me about a rate change on a flight that I've been watching to go away on Christmas.
1: See, my issue, the only See? issue with Hopper is I will use them, but then, like, as soon as I get the alert, it's like, now's the time to book. I'll actually go to Google Flights and book because Hopper charges a fee that I don't have to pay if I go. That's dumb. Yeah. So, but my
3: point is that I'm actually, like, here I am, a non millennial using my watch to get alerts about my flight that I'm tracking for a destination that I'm going to over christmas
0: yeah and i mean this is the reality now for the hotel industry like we talked about last episode you know so it's not just flights anymore people are going to be doing this for hotels it's great
3: sorry for the interruption that's
0: great for us as consumers it's great for smart marketers as well because they can you know take advantage of this new opportunity
3: now on to number three of number one or one of three Yes, one, three, the one. third
1: thing. The third thing is Retro Reboot, which I think a lot of people can relate to, and us living in Myrtle Beach definitely see this with a lot of our clients here. This one speaks to how people, again, this applied a little bit more to millennials, but across all generations really, are wanting to revisit those childhood memories. I think it's There's more
0: a- Gen X's, honestly, yeah. than it is millennials. Because I think you, millennials are still too young to
1: be that to nostalgic. Be nostalgic. I don't know. Yeah. There's but definitely you, a nostalgic factor. Look at the
0: 80s throwback stuff. You know, you look at things like Stranger Things, how that blew up this year. You know, there's a lot of 80s stuff. Like cuz the 80s and you're with me Melissa, I know, was the best decade of the entire Ever. world, right? So I, th- I think it's more Gen Xers huh? going into the older older I was thinking it
1: was more people who are at, of an age where they have children and they are wanting to share their childhood memories with their children that was my for sure takeaway from
0: or those of us going through midlife crisis and that. wanting to relive our miss misspent- the glory you- days yeah the glory days
1: well the stat they had that i pulled away from this was that 34 percent of travelers plan to visit um childhood destinations but, again, back to my point, this statistic was slightly higher when they asked just the millennials, 44% of them plan to revisit childhood destinations. Because they're
0: still children. Maybe. They're probably still traveling under daddy's pocketbook. I don't know. You
1: know. I feel like millennials, half the time, they feel like children. The other half the time, they feel like really old.
0: Are you speaking from experience? Maybe. <laughs> it's fine.
1: I'm either like 12 or 72. Those no. are my ranges. No <laughs> in between.
2: So true. <laughs> <I'm>
1: telling you. <laughs> All right, so the next number one, which is really number four, is Pop Culture Pilgrimage. This one stood out to me a little bit because it was surprising at first, but then it totally makes sense. So obviously there's a lot of, as you've had things like Netflix and all these providers are coming up with their shows, a lot of them take places placed in really interesting destinations, right? So using entertainment as inspiration for travel is a huge trend this year that they're seeing. Um, one thing that they pointed out was it's not just entertainment, but, um, things like sports are inspiring more travel. Obviously Phil just Mm -hmm. pointed that out. Yeah.
0: Penguin Olympics. Right.
1: So 22% (laughs) of people they found were tempted to travel for a major sporting event. I mean, you got the penguins. I just went to a Clemson game. Um, and also TV shows, these were some really interesting stats to me. So the top TV show travel spots, they found um, 29% of people were inspired to travel to Croatia, Spain, or Iceland, which was inspired by Game of Thrones. Um, 21% were inspired to travel to London, which is the filming location for Sherlock and the Crown. And 13% were inspired to travel to New York, um, which came from the show Billions. So these shows that you know are very popular and take place in interesting or unique destinations are really enticing people and capturing their curiosity about these places and people are going.
2: Yeah, I know, I know it doesn't really relate, but... When we went to LA, I was able to navigate the city because of the video game Grand Theft Auto, and that's somewhat <laughs> entertainment related. But I just thought did that was did you beat really up cool. cops along the way? No, yeah. no, no, I
0: kept it kosher. <laughs> Zero stars.
1: Oh, <Aww. laughs> disappointed.
0: Yeah, you know, honestly, I've I've talked to CVBs about this before. If if you know if you're a CVB or a chamber and you have a big destination marketing budget and you're struggling to figure out how to spend it. Getting some kind of pop culture event happening in your destination would be huge. Whether that's a TV show or movie shooting, or, or even just featuring in, like when Myrtle Beach had um, Eastbound the, and Down. Eastbound and Down. When oh, yeah. that second season, when the it was the Myrtle Beach Mermaids. If you go to a Molde merman Beach sorry, when you when you go to the um, the Pelicans, which is the actual team here in Myrtle Beach, the minor league baseball team. If you go to their store, they have Myrtle Beach Mermin... They Apparently, have powers to jersey. sell. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's amazing. And and people would come because of that show. So I think looking to invest to bring that kind of thing to your destination is, is really important. And then as a property, capitalizing on it. When you know that something is popular in your destination, that you're famous for something. Or going back to number three one, because we're on number four one. Going back to the nostalgia thing, you know. Having themed events, having themed rooms, having some kind of, you know, shtick about that is, I think that can really draw attention to people. For sure.
1: I was trying to think of like the shows that I watched. I'm like, mm, Stranger Things, Indiana, maybe not. Like Roseanne, like <laughs> outside of Chicago, probably yet? not. Yes, I'm like three episodes in. Okay. Do no you spoilers. want to just spoil it for no everyone spoilers. listening? Nobody no spoilers. Nobody likes spoilers. I would go see one of the
3: castles that was used in Monty Python search for the holy grail quest for the holy grail
0: the, that would be cool the holy grail i yeah. think it's what it's called well, it's, there's no search or quest right yeah,
1: the whatever
0: i think it's monty Python and, then the, holy and grail. the holy grail yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah i'm like always sunny like philly sounds kind of cool but they don't do a great job of selling it on that show so i don't know
0: <laughs> i don't know but I, I mean think about cheers you know which was like the uh, older yeah. school yeah. version of that show i mean people go to that bar. Still, even well, the, don't
2: they have know, one in the Chicago airport? Don't they have like a? Yeah, it's a it's, it's a, a franchise brand. now. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. lame. But the oh, original
0: actual bar, which is down in the something different. Yeah. So so I think there's definitely an opportunity there that hotels can capitalize on, and you know if you have some attraction like that in your market, partner with them, offer some kind of package, because you, then you can benefit from it as well.
1: Well, I think Melissa will appreciate our. Number five, number one on the list, which is walk your way to wellness. So, this is something that we actually, Melissa wrote a blog about over a year ago about how wellness is really growing in the travel space. And the stats that were associated with this one were really compelling just because of the growth in this space. Was it
0: bananalytics? It was
1: bananalytics. So, the amount of people planning to take a health and wellness trip actually doubled from 2017 to 2018 so that was about 10% last year it's bumped up to about 20% this year which I mean a double in the amount of people in any segment traveling is pretty significant
0: but notably 80% of people are still saying now I'm gonna go binge eat and binge drink while I'm on vacation
1: but why not both I don't know (laughs)
0: binge eat and drink
1: and or health healthy. and wellness. Oh, I, don't, I think they're you, kind of
0: mutually exclusive. Okay, but. so
1: Melissa and I are going to a marathon, and I think our plan for the first half is to be healthy, and we're going to run the half marathon, and the other half of the trip we're just going to binge eat and drink. Okay. You can do both.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's NLS dose.
1: Exactly. So the most popular things that people expressed an interest doing during their health and wellness trip walking and hiking trips topped the list at 56 percent and then some of the other ones that popped up were spa and beauty treatments at 33 percent cycling at 24 percent and then water related activities at 22 percent
0: yeah i mean this is such a growing trend and if if you do it right you can get not only a lot of you know attention from consumers but you can also get a lot of press coverage as well you know we work with some clients that they get like Chefs in, like special chefs to cook really nutritious food. Maybe they're farm to table. You know, they have their That's own. Such they're a huge they're growing, growing their own thing, vegetables yeah. there or slaughtering their own animals. I, I don't know, but maybe not that.
2: <laughs> well, even our, our property in, uh, our client in um, Albany, Morgan State House, they have free bicycles free bicycle storage for people to come up there and bike because that's a you know really popular area giant trails throughout that whole area and people love going there for that so exactly they, yeah. they offer that little incentive to kind of
0: yeah and we're seeing more and more us. folks doing like yoga classes and oh, yeah. stuff like that. i mean that. i'll say
1: as someone who is unfortunately not 12 anymore and i don't have the metabolism of a 12 year old or a 22 year old so when i travel i do Per, you know, prefer to stick to my routine. So if there is a gym, I'm typically to use it. If I'm in an area where it's easy to run, I'm going to go for my run. Like I would prefer to stick to my routine. And if I happen to stay somewhere that had, you know, free yoga classes or something else, I would totally take advantage of that. And that would be a differentiator for me to stay at one property that offers that versus another.
0: Yeah. And if those yoga classes were only for people that book direct,
1: oh, imagine, wow. that. Yes. imagine nice. that.
0: And they were themed off game of Thrones. <laughs>
1: Too much. We got because then then we
0: got like number three, one, two, one, four. I've lost the counts of the ones. I can't count beyond one. One. We're on six point one. Six six point one. I think it's one
1: point six. Sure,
2: one
0: point six.
1: So our 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 one six six one is economic intuition. So this trend that they found spoke a little bit towards how travelers are becoming more financially savvy and not just in the fact that they're price shopping more, they're looking for a good deal, but they're looking for an overall good value. So even if something a package, let's say, is a little bit more expensive, if they feel like they're getting a better value because it includes more, to Stuart's point, you know, with the local beer that was included, that's what they're looking for. They want a good value. Perception so, is reality. Yeah.
3: Make it appear to be a good
1: value.
0: Yeah, or or actually be good value. Well that. <laughs>
1: that but well, sell the, the how, value yeah, How yeah, do you you've got to communicate right? you got to right? merchandise for sure so a few things that they found that people are paying a little bit more attention to when they're planning their trip are currency exchange rates and the economic climate of the destination obviously speaking towards international travel and then they also found that more people are again not surprisingly using apps and technology to piece together their trips and make their own unique packages and their own unique experiences and they found that 44 percent of travelers are going to use travel apps during that process in 2018 so that's almost half of the people that are traveling are using some type of travel app
2: and we just talked about using hopper just a second ago and and, and, in last week's podcast as well i mean there's there's going to be stuff like that popping up more and
0: more people are going to use it more and more Yeah, people are researching more because there's better tools available and they think they can, you know, they're on the hunt for the deal. And and that's part of the fun of it, right? You feel like you win when you find something better and you piece it together and you save five bucks that you can now go spend on a beer. beer. Yeah. Or yoga class. Or both. Or beer. A beer yoga class. <laughs> hey,
1: they have those. Do that's really? a thing. Beer yoga? Yes, oh, yeah. they do. Breweries in Charleston have those. Like Holy City does it and uh, Frothy Beard, I think, both do it.
2: Mm. Mm. That's how you get me into yoga. Yep.
1: <laughs> there you go. All right, moving right along to our approaching the end of our list. We're at 7117, <laughs> which speaks to joke, me. Joke I never gets old. Repetition was... makes it funny. <laughs> Um this one spoke to me a little bit just cuz I'm at a phase where this is appealing. So the great mate escape. This trend that they found spoke to how group travel is on the rise. Um year to year increase went from 21% of travelers to 25% of travelers taking group trips. Um and not just about the destination, like traveling with whomever, it's not just about where you go, but more people are wanting to share that experience with friends or family or whatever it might be and this I thought was key. So this really came down to not only wanting to share this experience but also again the financial decision behind it. 42% said it will allow them to travel to somewhere they otherwise could not afford.
2: We did this a couple years ago my buddies and I we went to Atlanta to go to Golf there. It's a really cool driving range thing you can look it up if you want but something we really wanted to do um, and we got to stay in a really awesome hotel because we all split it. So it's basically this, this thing exactly. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's a French trip and it mates, is... Mate's trip. Mate's trip, whatever. Yeah. Sounds um, cooler uh, when you
0: make a British... Me and my mates. <laughs> no.
1: <We've laughs> got <laughs> be keep, keeping up with the chapses over there. <laughs>
2: No, but I I definitely agree with this. Is this is something I, I mean I have done and would definitely do again.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to plan a trip with some friends right now. Just, again, like you said, it's cheaper to split it. I mean, it's fun to go with friends. Like, none of us, we don't have the people to share it with, like, family or kids or whatever. So, it's like... Get some friends together. Go for a girlfriend's trip. You know, make it affordable.
0: You know, I think from a hotel's perspective, you, you look at it as a big opportunity, right? Because if you can offer packages or experiences that are unique to groups of friends that they're going to really enjoy, like you can teach them to do something and or do something crafty, like you can offer something that is you know cost four or five hundred dollars. You're getting that revenue, but between eight people, it's only fifty bucks each. And it's not a big deal, but if it's a great experience, they're going to be willing to invest. So be creative. You know, if you have a really world-renowned chef, maybe if you offer groups of eight people can come and get taught how to cook a really awesome farm-to-table meal or something like that. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Get creative with it, but but don't just say, okay, well now we've got more room revenue. Look at ways that you can enhance the experience by adding more amenity revenue as well.
1: Our Last, but certainly not least, 8118.
0: The Larch. That's, that's a Monty Python reference. They do this whole skit where it's repetition makes it funny. And it's like, number one, the Larch. And then number four, the, the Larch. you
1: remember that one? Yes. Okay. Number eight.
0: Melissa's the only one old enough here to remember Monty Python.
1: I don't understand all the references, but I have seen lots of Monty Python in my day. Python. P- Python. Python. P- Python.
0: Python. <laughs> Python. With my mates.
1: Alright, can we get through this so I can stop talking? Because clearly my <laughs> mouth is almost done. <laughs> Your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Live like a local, not with one. Which I thought was an oh, interesting... Oh,
0: burn. That's such a burn. <laughs> on Airbnb, right?
1: Yeah, like, mm, shots fired. Okay. Yeah. So, For- no, this actually goes into Airbnb a little bit. So... What they found was 33% of travelers say they'd prefer to stay in a holiday rental, referring to a home or apartment, versus a traditional hotel. So kind of shot at the hotel. Uh, 21% of owners of these type of properties say that they are considering listing their home on a travel accommodation site, which I thought was pretty interesting. And also 25% of travelers say it was important for their hosts to have a strong local expertise. And what this really boiled down to was that, you know, people are looking for unique travel experiences. Things like Airbnb or VRBO definitely have an appeal to it. And the main thing people want is, yes, they want a local experience and they want to have access to somebody that can provide recommendations or they're a phone call away for whatever they need. But they do want that distance, like they want the communication and the interactions to be on their terms. So they still want their privacy you know, they still want to be left alone when they want to be left alone so you're still in control of that experience yeah our friends
2: who run an airbnb out of charleston do a good job at this um next to every bedside they had a whole list i mean it was back and front page and listed everything if everything you might want to do and basically ended with if there's anything on anything that you wanted that isn't on this list please ask us type of thing i just thought it was a, a nice touch
0: all right so here, here's my big problem with this right and, and why I, hotels frustrate me sometimes your friends have one room that they're renting out, right? Or maybe a couple of rooms, maybe more. you're, you're holding up like seven hundred fingers, it to was it, four. right? It was eight point one. So think fingers. of it; it's a four-unit hotel, right? Yep. Es- essentially, yep. so they don't make a ton of revenue from it. They don't have a ton of time that they dedicate it to it because they've got full-time jobs. I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? So, full-time. but they've gone to the effort of creating this convenience to improve the experience. If you're a hotel and you have 200 units, you have such a great economies of scale to be able to produce something that's way better than this, way more helpful. Your staff lives in the town probably. They can be just as knowledgeable about the town and you can add value that an Airbnb cannot because you can leverage your economies of scale. You can have a wine and cheese event for everyone on a Wednesday that's at your property because you can disperse that cost across 200 rooms. There's no reason you should be losing the battle of experience to an Airbnb when they only have one or two rooms. It just doesn't make sense to me. Put the effort in, you know? Yeah, I mean,
2: like what I just mentioned was not hard. And it's not something that I see out in the open when I stay in a hotel either. Like, just seems like an opportunity they could take advantage
0: of. Because, you know what, they care about their guests and they want them to have a good time. And hotels should be behaving the same way. You know what
3: drives me nuts is when I'm staying in a whoa, hotel. Whoa, whoa, what? It what, does what? It burns my buttons. Okay. <laughs> when you get into the hotel and there's that book that first of all does not have the channel lineup. Okay, that drives me nuts. I'm in a new town, I don't know what the channel lineup is. I'm trying to find my, my golden girls. Come on. What channel I'm watching? There's like 50 of them and I don't I just want NBC. It's the can Penguin
0: just, Olympics. I don't want to watch the Penguin Olympics. Tell me
3: what NBC is. <laughs> That's thing number one. But then thing number two is like, oh, here's things to do. Oh, dining, chilies. Really? That's the best you got is chilies? There's nothing nothing wrong with chilies. chilies, Nothing wrong with chilies. But you can't tell me that there's nothing more local than chilies. Are you salty about your Fredonia drip? I don't want to talk about my Fredonia drip. Barbecue
0: sauce. (laughs) The baby I think I I know what Phil's having for dinner tonight. (laughs) This episode brought to you by chilies. (laughs) And the Golden Girls.
3: I seriously, they're, they're, they're just can you please provide some real yeah. local information?
0: I, I think the problem the hotels get right is that's you know that's fallen on on an employee's hit their responsibility and it's like 400th on their list of priorities. So they you know they don't put the effort into it that an individual would if it was their own Airbnb room, right? So I challenge everyone listening to the show to really take ownership of every single task that comes on your desk and and pay it the attention it deserves and really think about it through the lens of the consumer. Don't think of it as just I'm pushing paper across my desk and completing a task because my boss asked me to, but really think about am I helping my guest that's going to be staying here? Am I creating an environment where this guest that just booked through Expedia is more likely to want to come stay with me again and hopefully book direct because I went the extra mile. I did something Unique and valuable, and I'm going to use the term that we don't use too often anymore. But I surprised and I delighted that guest with something. We haven't
1: said that in a while. Ooh, I know. I'm surprised and delighted we brought that back. Bringing it back.
0: <laughs> that was like a 2017 trend, and we're almost at the end of 2017.
1: Oh, Got to come up with our new trends.
0: We do, actually. Yeah. So we, we're doing booking.com's 111212. Eight I trends. will
1: properly organize the data, but yes, there is coming soon.
0: We are going to do our own trends, and we are going to number them. This will be the third numerals.
1: iteration. This is the three-peat of our travel trends. This will be the what? third year. What? Yeah.
0: That's amazing. Three whole years of travel trends, mm-hmm. and we've been pretty accurate every time. We have. We should do a reflection episode where we go back and look at all our, all of I our agree. thoughts and
1: predictions, predictions
0: and see, yeah, these came true.
1: Misha and Melissa get raises. What? I tell you what. When the pay, when the penguin sorry. When Phil's sitting over there. I was looking at Melissa. Sorry, dude.
0: I, I'll take it out of Phil's paycheck oh. to fund your raise.
2: Absolutely not.
0: Not on board. Not. No. I'm gonna. I'll do it when he's at the Penguin Olympics okay. and he won't know. Okay. So that was that eight number one. That was
1: eight one one eight. Good flesh wound. Right. If,
0: if you know anyone at Booking.com, <laughs> let them know to renumber it, and then we won't poke fun at them didn't anymore. didn't catch
1: my reference What did you there? say? I
0: wasn't listening. Sorry. <laughs> what
1: else isn't new? <laughs> <laughs> I, I threw in tis a flesh wound at the end. Oh, okay. Some more munchies. Just a thing. scratch.
0: Okay. Got it. Come here. I'll bite your ankles off. <laughs> All right. Is that it? We killed it, right? We oh, killed we it.
1: killed it. We it. It is dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is no more. That
1: horse with it no nipples is dead. <laughs>
0: all right well good that was good so what are we doing next week melissa analytics
1: no
3: <laughs> definitely not next week
0: not it looking not at that it. calendar says nope,
3: nope.
0: <laughs> yeah all right. Well, right we'll, we'll figure out what we're doing next week but uh yeah if you want us to cover a topic that you're particularly interested in if you have a problem that you cannot solve if there's a ghost in your closet and you need someone to come bust it then Who are you gonna call yeah Fuel, Fuel travel. travel. <laughs> wow, we just got cornier than ever.
1: Can we do a, a quick plug?
0: Sure.
1: Okay, because I was going to do one anyway. So
0: Why are you asking permission? When have you ever asked for permission? I don't
1: know. That was weird. Yeah. So we are doing a new webinar. It's going to be on Tuesday, November 14th. So go ahead and pencil it into your already busy Pen schedule. In. Pen it in. Cut your finger and blood it in. I don't <laughs> care. You need to listen to this <laughs> webinar. It is on Tuesday, November 14th at 11 Eastern, and we are partnering with our friends over at Trust You and Rainmaker to discuss how you can optimize the booking journey for hotel revenue success. It's going to be awesome. You should tune in. And you can register at fueltravel.com slash webinar.
0: So do that right now. Right meow. <laughs> Did you just Meow.
1: <laughs> meow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, travel.com slash webinar. Correct. And give us the date one more time.
1: It is Tuesday, November 14th at 11 Eastern. Even if you can't tune in then, go ahead and sign up because they'll send you a copy afterwards to listen on your drive to work or whenever it's convenient for you.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be amazing because I'm not doing it this time. Usually, I do the webinars, but Misha is going to be gracing you all with her presence. It's Passing the torch. Amazing. Padawan is becoming a Jedi Knight. I love it. And... If you have questions, submit them to info at fuel travel.com. I always forget, I listen back to the show, and every time I say info at fuel travel, I don't say dot com. I just, I just assume people know that email addresses have a dot, a com. dot something on the end. But, anyway, it's info at fuel if you have questions or needs about hotel marketing. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at fuel travel. The show notes for today's show are at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 68. If you're easily offended, do not listen to episode sixty nine because I've got a feeling that Misha might make some reference jokes to that number. And if you want to, if they want to find you on the interwebs, so Phil, where can they find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at that's pforiska. It's p f o r i s k a. And Melissa,
3: I'm on Twitter at m a cavanaugh. M a k. I do you spell my name? <laughs> I just <laughs> lost really track. Name. Wow. Hey, you've done it perfectly 67 <laughs> Every, times. All these times
0: I have, I have. completely
1: M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H.
0: There's no U in there. There's no U. Okay. Nor is there a C. Okay. And Meowsha?
1: I have uh, no U's or C's in mine either. It is at Marketing Misha. That is at Marketing M-E-I-S-H-A.
0: No jokes this week?
1: I have a joke. I was, I was waiting. You ruined my moment. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I was about to say until next time you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. But
1: before that, where okay. do sheep get their hair cut?
0: I know hair. this one it's at a
1: barber shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you? I think you went and found my the joke Jesus. book from like when I was 11 years old. Yes, I
1: googled Stuart Butler's joke book from when he was 11. Is
0: that how you type? You're waving your hands <laughs> yes. around.
1: Have you heard her type? That is kind of how she typed it.
2: Right yeah, yeah, I, I typed God in. Thank God we got that quiet keyboard because, jeez, that one that was full buttons. I'm going to get her What's a mechanical off? keyboard. It's I'm no, kind of no, no, no. When she had one before, it just I'd have to put headphones it's on. It's like just a typewriter. Right click, 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 click. <laughs>
1: I googled um, corny jokes from 1912 to find the ones that you were familiar with.
0: Well, if we've got any listeners left, then thank you for listening. And until next time, you've been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast.
1: Well, that is a 4.3. Solid
0: 4.3. If it's out of five, that's good. Mm. Like your Uber score. Ooh, that's a that's a burn
2: right there. You just burned your Uber score.
1: I feel like I have a very respectable Uber score. If and you're
2: less it's than not a five, as high dude. As ours.
1: Oh, you're a five point oh two. You're a damn straight, Humble brag. I am. How okay. do you get
0: deducted points on Uber? I don't
1: know.